Hall of Fame coaches, national champions, lottery picks, the best minds in basketball. Welcome into the sidelines with Evan Daniels. What's up, college basketball fans? Welcome back to the Sidelines Podcast. I'm your host, Evan Daniels, college basketball insider over at FS1, as well as the director of basketball recruiting at 24-7 Sports. Today's episode, we're going to take a deep dive into the landscape of college basketball. I'm going to give my player of the year candidates and runner-up candidates in each of the major conferences. We're going to talk about the best five players in the 2020 high school basketball recruiting class, and then we're going to dig in on Zion Williamson and Michigan State. So before we get to that, I want to make sure that you are subscribed and supporting the Sidelines Podcast. The best way to do that is to shoot over to Apple Podcasts and or your favorite podcast app. Hit the subscribe button for me leave a rating, leave a review. All those things are extremely helpful. You could also shoot me a note over on Twitter or Instagram. The handle is at Evan Daniels. Would love to know what you think about the podcast. It's time to go minimum with Evan Daniels. Send it in, big fella. Now I want to bring in Fox Sports producer and co-host of the show, Conrad Company. And as you guys have known, the last couple weeks, we've really changed up the podcast in a lot of ways. Instead of just doing deep dive interviews, doing a little more just college basketball talk and recruiting talk. And I want to bring in Conrad. Conrad, what's up, man? Evan, man. How's it going today? Life is good. We are... Uh, not too far away from the conference tournaments, from the NCAA tournament. Things are about to really heat up from a, a coaching movement standpoint, a transfer movement standpoint. We got a lot going on right now. Yeah, man. You know what? I don't think I've ever seen the tides change in college basketball as far as national championship contenders are involved when one player goes down like Zion Williamson. And uh, let's just start right off with him. Do you think Zion will be back for Duke this year? And if he is, what is his timetable looking like? Yeah, I definitely think that he's going to be back this year. Conrad, I honestly think uh, everything that happened after he went down, I, I think it got a little silly. And obviously social media played a, a major part in the madness in terms of will Zion Williamson shut it down. And I think NBA players actually played a, a role in that too. But I, I think it was silly. I thought Charles Barkley really said it best. You know, I think their, right. job is, their job is to play basketball. And these are basketball players. And Zion Williamson is a competitor. And if he can play, he's going to play. I think the, the crazy part about this is, is we're talking about an injury that's equivalent to a sprained ankle. Yeah, this yeah. isn't a this isn't a torn ACL or or something crazy. We're talking about something that's equivalent to a, a sprained ankle. So, yes, I do think Zion Williamson uh, will be back in terms of when that may be. I know Duke has a game this weekend. I would put it at a uh, 20, 25 percent chance that he plays this weekend. I think it's a possibility. I don't think it's what's going to happen. I, I think we'll likely see him back on the court uh, next week. Obviously, Duke's not going to push him to get back. They just want him back for conference tournament and and the NCAA. NCAA tournament. And I, I most certainly think that he will be. I, I'm sure that uh, he definitely wants to at least be back by that North Carolina game, a rematch game. So we're going to see Zion Williamson back on the court, in my opinion. I'm glad to hear that because he really does change the landscape of college basketball. I mean, everybody tunes in to watch this kid play. Now, with his injury, though, too, do you think that Coach K will pressure a little bit if they lose another game without him so they can still secure a top seed? Or do you think that's not even a part of the equation? It, it, that, that's, that doesn't go anything into this yeah I don't think that has anything to do with this I, I think Duke is is going to handle this with caution and he'll be back on the court when he's 100 percent and ready to play they're not going to mess around with this I, I think that's been the the case uh, from the get-go uh, Zion Williamson will be back when he's 100 percent and I, I don't think we're too far away from that 
as of right now, they are one and two without him. And yes, I am going to count the North Carolina loss as him not playing, even though he did play 33 seconds. But they had a total of two losses the entire season before the injury. What's the biggest difference playing with and without Zion for Duke? Well, there's a couple things that, that factor into play, and, and I, I reached out to some people close to that Duke program, and I, I think one of the, the biggest things is just when Zion is in the game, uh, Duke has ability to manufacture easy points. And they don't have that luxury as much without him. And when I say easy points, I'm talking about going to the glass and, and getting offensive putbacks. I'm talking about drives to the rim, steals, and getting easy points in transition. And the other thing is it impacts the game on the other end of the floor too. And, and you and I were talking uh, off record uh, about their defense, and it's a little different when he's not there. With, with Zion, they have a, uh, a level of rim protection and the scare that he's going to come help side and swat a shot into the stands. And, and with him not on the court, they don't have uh, quite that rim protection. So I, I think it impacts both, both sides of the ball. And uh, from easy points to rim protection, it's a big deal not having him on the court. I would agree completely. And going back to the defense, I mean, watching them against Syracuse and then watching them play at Virginia Tech last night. I mean, at times, especially North Carolina, I mean, North Carolina, they look completely shell shocked. They look like they just literally lost the best player in the world. And they did. What I'm going to ask here is what if RJ Barrett was the one that wasn't playing for Duke right now and Zion was continuing to play on the court? Do you think that they would still have these same issues or do you how do you think it would shape out if that situation were to happen? Well, I think the issues would be different. Um, as good as I think Zion Williamson is, and you know, I think he's going to be the number one pick in the NBA draft. I think R.J. Barrett is is tremendous as well. Um, you know, Zion is able to get some easy points, and he impacts the game with his rebounding and defense. R.J. is a natural born scorer. I mean, keep in mind this dude is averaging over twenty three points a game. And uh, I think that the issues would be – there still would be issues. They would be different type of issues. I mean, I, Zion, or, uh, RJ is their go-to guy on the offensive end of the floor. It's tough to give Zion the ball um, in late-game situations unless you're going to post him up because uh, he's not going to just go create off the bounce. That's what R.J. Barrett uh, can do. And I, I know he hasn't had a ton of success this year in late games hitting big shots. Um, but I think when you take him off the floor, you lose um, arguably the best scorer in the country. So the issues – there would be issues because he's that good. But I also think if you take the first or second best player off any team in the country – um, you're going to be losing a lot and there's going to be some sort of issue. Yeah. And now, I mean, so Zion is a very particular kind of athlete and, and basketball player. When he goes to the NBA, people are starting to talk about him being a number one overall pick that doesn't need the ball. How often do you hear about athletes like that coming along where you can, you can potentially affect a game in so many ways and you don't have to have the basketball to do it? Yeah, I mean, that's, it's rare. And, and obviously his athletic gifts factor into this. Yeah. And so does his motor and his feel for the game. Um, you know, he deserves a lot of credit for how hard he's played uh, on both ends of the floor. Uh, the effort that he's given to uh, the defensive end and from a rebounding standpoint. But then his feel for the game is so impressive. Just his ability to distribute or to be in the right place or uh, just the energy that he brings. And I, I, meant, I meant to mention this a minute ago. And I, I saw this from a, a friend of the podcast. I uh, saw him tweet this, Aaron Torres. Duke with Zion is averaging 85 points a game and forcing 15 turnovers a game. Without Zion, they're averaging 73 points a game and only forcing nine turnovers. So the proof is in the stats. Yeah, exactly. It's a completely different team. 
but to, to answer your question, it's pretty special what he's able to do without dominating the ball. He's super impressive. I guess what impresses me the most, everybody loves the dunks. Everyone loves the athleticism. He's just so damn efficient. Everything he does is calculated. I mean, he, he doesn't ever make bad turnovers. It's not like he doesn't hustle back on defense. He just goes above and beyond every possession. And I think that's what has everybody in the NBA salivating is get a player like that. Last thing on Duke. Without Zion, let's say he doesn't come back. Is Duke still a national championship contender? Well, he's coming back, so I don't think it matters. <laughs> but, I mean, that said, they could still beat anyone in the country. Uh, they still have one of the greatest, if not the greatest, college basketball coach of all time. They have uh, two potential top three or four picks. Could they win it? Yes. Without Zion, will they win it? I would say no. But I also think it's a conversation that we don't even need to have because I think he'll be back, Conrad. Hey, listen, man. <laughs> Vegas, Vegas, Vegas agrees with you on both on both parts of that. So, uh, now, well, load load up on it. Load up on uh, it. Hey, man, I'd like to say I already have. Moving on to another great head coach, Jay Wright and Villanova. They've lost three straight games, and this is the first time since joining the Big East that Villanova has ever lost three straight games. Are they still the favorites to win the Big East in your eyes, or has Marquette surpassed them? I think Marquette's the favorite to win the Big East. Um, I mean, they're, I think their team is coming together. They've got a, a bona fide star in Marcus Howard, the best player in the league. Uh, I, I think a, a candidate to be a first-team All-American. He's averaging 25 points a game, four assists, four rebounds, shooting at a 44% clip from three. But it's not just Marcus Howard. The Hauser brothers have been tremendous. Sakar Annam has been a, a, an X-factor uh, for them. Theo John brings some toughness and a, a defensive mentality. Um, they've got uh, a bunch of really good pieces. Uh, and I think um, I, I think that they've they have a, a team um, that is the favorite um, to win the Big East Conference. And uh, I think they're looking pretty good come Selection Sunday. I mean, keep in mind, they got a two-game lead over Villanova now. Yeah, now talking about the Big East Tournament, I actually heard from a little bird that you're going to be on the sidelines for a couple games. What games are you going to be on the sidelines for, man? Yeah, I'm actually pretty fired up. I'm going to be on the sidelines for the the morning session on Thursday, uh, the quarterfinals. So I'll get the one seed, which will likely be Marquette, as we talked about, and then the 4-5 game. So, you know, I I think it's going to be some pretty good teams. That 4-5 game could be teams battling for a spot in the NCAA tournament. So uh, I'm pretty excited about it. MSG doesn't get better than that. Honestly, I don't think there's very many uh, tournaments that are better than the Big East, too. The Big East tournament is always so special. Maybe it is because it's at Madison Square Garden. It has that feel for it. Now, sticking with Villanova real quick, where would you put them in regards to the NCAA tournament? You know what? Let's just throw Marquette in there, too, because those are the top two teams in the Big East. How do you think they'll fare in the NCAA tournament this year? Well, starting with Marquette, uh, I think this is a a sleeper pick to make a a Final Four run. I'm not necessarily saying, Conrad, I'm throwing them in my Final Four. But I like uh, the direction the team's going. Um, I think guard play wins in March, and I think they have a dynamic guard in Marcus Howard. And as I mentioned a second ago, um, the Hauser brothers have been tremendous. Um, Joey Hauser has really, um, really given this team a, a, a different got a different type of player the versatility his ability to stretch the floor and shoot uh, him and his brother both Sam uh, have been very impressive but I also think that they have a bunch of, of role players that fill their role extremely well and uh, I, I like that bunch I like what Steve Wojciechowski's put together and I, I think that um, you know the upside for that team is a run to the final four in terms of Villanova I guess it just depends on which Villanova team shows up you yeah. know the the team the team of the past two weeks, um, 
you know, you wouldn't think would get out of the first round of the tournament. But, you know, we've seen some good flashes from them, and they still have a really good player in Phil Booth, who I think has played, you know, as probably the second best player in the league. Uh, Eric Paschal is is versatile and um, can score and rebound. And they still have the pieces uh, to be a second-round team uh, or a second-weekend team. It just depends which Villanova team shows up. Yeah, well, I mean, in both games against St. John's and Xavier, they were both up. I mean, they were up big against St. John's, and they were up by 10 at Xavier. And is there anybody other than Phil Booth that's willing to step up and make some big-time shots for that Villanova team? Well, they really need Colin Gillespie to be that guy and, and make shots from distance. And um, Phil has obviously had a, a tremendous season. He's averaging more than 18 points a game, which is up over eight points a game from last year. Statistically, it's his best season of his career. Uh, I talked to Jay Wright actually about him last week, and uh, he told me that anytime they've asked him to step up in his career, he's done so. And and I, I think he has had a tremendous season. But when you look at the numbers, you know, they've lost four of the last five games. I, I can't imagine when the last time Jay Wright lost four of the last five games. Um, it's it, They're having some shooting troubles. And in those four losses, Georgetown, Xavier, St. John's, and Marquette, they're 39 of 138 from three. And I'm just going to go down. Think about this. Georgetown, they were 9 of 38 from three. Xavier, they were 10 of 36 from three. St. John's, 11 of 35 from three. Marquette, 9 of 29. Now, they're making 9, 10, 11 threes a game, but the amount they're shooting and the percentage and clip they're shooting at uh, isn't good. And, And keep this in mind. Their win against Providence, they were 10 of 23 from three. Much more efficient, took less shots. Uh, So I I think they've got to get that shooting right if they're going to make a run. Yeah, yeah, that's that's always seemed to be true in March. You know, with three-point shooting teams especially, you got to rely on that three ball. And if you're shooting at a nine for 30-something clip, odds are you're probably going to lose a lot of those games. You know, let's let's transition to another team that I thought was personally dead in the water here a couple weeks ago. And it's crazy for me to think this, being a huge Big Ten fan that I am. Michigan State. What is Michigan State? They do not have Josh Langford, their possible best player. Nick Ward, one of the most dominating post players in the country, he's out. How do they keep winning big games? Yeah, they've been extremely impressive, and I, especially in a league um, that is really absurd. I think they're in position to win the league. They put the, they've got a, uh, a half-game lead. I think they've put themselves uh, in control in that league with three games left. They've got Indiana, Nebraska, and, and Michigan. Uh, you would like to think that they probably win those first two based on how they've been playing, but the league and conference has been a, a dogfight. They actually lost to Indiana early earlier in the season that's when I thought they were dead after the Indiana <laughs> yeah. game the Indiana game was bad well I, I think one thing we keep saying without Josh Langford and Nick Ward they haven't had Josh Langford in a long time that's and at true. this point at this point it's almost like a completely different team from when they had him last so uh, yeah would they like to have Josh Langford certainly would he help their team make them a lot better yes he or you would think he would but they've adjusted to losing him. The Nick Ward recently, I, I think, was pretty significant, and uh, obviously they'd like to have him back. Uh, but, and, you know, I think that now would be a, kind of a good time to say, like, from what I've been told, there's no timetable for a return. Um, they're hoping before season ends, they're hoping they get him back for the NCAA tournament, but they don't know for sure right now. Uh, but in terms of how they've done it, I mean, Cassius Winston has been ridiculous. Uh, I think he's uh, been as good as. <laughs> 
any player in the Big Ten Conference, and he's got first-team All-American type numbers, 19 points a game, uh, over seven assists. The way he impacts the game from a facilitation standpoint, a distribution standpoint, pick and rolls, Conrad, he's tremendous, his vision. But he's also shooting the ball uh, better than he has. Well, I guess last year he shot it ridiculous. But he, he's shooting a 43% clip from the three-point line. They've asked him to score more this year. He's doing it all for them, really. Yeah, he, he's he, he's been tremendous, and he's he's. I, I probably shouldn't have said done it all for them because they like like we were talking about with Marquette. They've got a bunch of guys that are really filling their role nicely. Like Matt McQuaid is shooting the cover off the ball, uh, yeah. but I, Cassius Winston's the the biggest reason I think Cassius Winston if anyone out there hasn't watched Michigan State basketball this year I mean his box scores look fantastic but it's what he does during a game I mean he's a dog he gets in your mouth on defense he doesn't let you get to your spots Uh, other point guards in the league always play down to him I mean uh, Xavier Simpson for Michigan you know it was kind of funny Cassius was going under the screens and I don't think Simpson's seen that all year Simpson started shooting threes never seen the kids shoot threes and then from there out Cassius, <laughs> Cassius Winston really just started to get it going uh but yeah his court vision is something else now with Cassius Winston though and I'm gonna ask you this question see how you respond if you could pick one point guard in the country who would it be would it be Cassius Winston to lead your team oh that's tough I, I, he would certainly be in the conversation and he's probably more my type of, you know, I, I have a preference of a type of guard that blends scoring and facilitating uh, where, you know, a lot of these other guards are really more true combos yeah. than, you know, facilitators. You know, I would throw as good as they are. And this is by no means meant as a knocker on Carson Edwards or Marcus Howard because both of their teams need them to score. But well, they, I, they, I think they, they put the ball up. That's for sure. Yeah, but I think Winston as a distributor is better than those guys. Yeah. Um, now, those two are better scorers than him. But he would certainly be in that conversation for me. Uh, I'd probably have Trey, Trey Jones in that conversation yeah. uh, just because of his ability to defend. I think he changes the game on defense, which Winston does too, don't get me wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, but he doesn't score the ball like Winston does. Uh, so I, he'd certainly be right there in that conversation. Yeah, well, it's always tough with point guards because every single team has a different dynamic. I mean, obviously, if you took a top, if you took Carson Edwards and you uh, and you put him in with Michigan State's lineup, I think his game would obviously change too. He has more options, more people to go to. But makes sense. Yeah, but but Cassius Winston. I mean, he's he's so good. I I love watching the kid play. Do you think he's an NBA player? I think he will play in the NBA. I don't yeah. necessarily see him as an NBA starter. Uh, but if that's your backup point guard, I mean, I think that there's there's uh, there's some value there. He's certainly going to get that opportunity, I think. Yeah, I know you hate comparisons, but uh, I see a little Kyle I Lowry. I see a little Kyle Lowry in his game. He, he, he I like that. He, he he mucks stuff up. He hits he hits threes. He plays good defense. He just has he has that mold. And he has good vision. You know, he always distributes the ball. So he's he, super tough too, dude. He is tough. Yeah, like just 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 tough on both ends of the floor. He'll get in your grill. He'll guard. Uh, he's really always been that way, too. He was like that in high school. Yeah, I know. I mean, like I said, I'm not a Michigan State fan, but I do love watching Michigan State basketball. That's just the Big Ten person in me. And speaking of Big Ten, my my poor, poor Big Ten, they haven't won a national championship since 2000. You think this could be the year that Michigan State or Michigan has a chance to win a championship for the Big Ten? Uh, that's a great question. I, I wouldn't have either of those in my like current final four and when I say like current final four that would probably be just be my my top four teams I wouldn't have either of those in that uh, conversation but like 
Tom Izzo in March. How do you bet against that guy? He obviously has this, yeah, he has this group peaking at the right time. Uh, with Beeline, I think they have a lot of really good pieces, and they've gotten they've had some really hot stretches this season. So it wouldn't surprise me to see either make a run. I'm not going to pick either to win the national championship on February 27th. But I, I could see both making deep runs. Well, you know what? Maybe next year I'll get you to answer the question correctly and that there will be a Big Ten to win the championship. <laughs> no, nah, but uh, ta- talking about Cassius Winston and assuming that he is your player of the year in the Big Ten, you know what? March is only days away. Let's go through your Power Five conferences. And how about this? You give me your player of the year in each conference and then give me one runner-up as well. Okay. Well, yeah, Cassius is definitely my player of the year in Big Ten so far, but there's some pretty stiff competition. Obviously, his 19 points over seven assists, the, the three-point shooting, we, we, we said it all. I, I think he's, he's the guy for me right now. Uh, I actually, on this one, I'm going to cop out and give you two. Uh, one you're going to like. One you may not as much. You better say it. (laughs) The the one you're going to like is Ethan Happ. Uh, He's obviously been tremendous. Uh, 18 points, over 10 rebounds, shooting at a 54% clip from the field. Uh, When he gets it around the basket, I mean, he's nearly automatic. He gets great position, the footwork, um, the touch. Uh, He does pretty much everything except for shoot jump shots or free throws. But (laughs) He's a poor man's Kevin McHale. I've been trying to scream that at people. Oh, my gosh. And he can really (laughs) pass. He's been awesome. Uh, and then Carson Edwards is the other guy, the guy we were just talking about. Such a gifted scorer. Uh, his three-point shooting is down a little this season, but a uh, really gifted scorer. And that Purdue team is uh, overachieving in a lot of ways. And I, one guy that I don't think gets enough credit of how good of a coach he is is Matt Painter. That dude can flat-out yeah. coach. And if you look at their rosters over time, their guys get better. They get better and better and better. And that's a testament to the, the skill development within that program. So those would be the guys. So that, that's the one conference where I'm going to cop out and, uh, and give you three instead of two. Well, can I give you one quick great stat from my man Ethan Happ? What you got? Shout out sports reference. Since 1992-1993, as far as they go back as stats go, he's averaging 18, 10, and 5. Can you guess how many other players have even averaged 10, 10, and 5 in college basketball since then? What if I know the answer? Well, you already know the answer. It's zero. It's zero. <laughs> Ethan Happ. I'm telling you, people, if you haven't got to watch him play, the Big Ten has a lot of guys that uh, they're really good, but they're not great. But in college, they're a lot of fun to watch. No question. All a right, lot of fun. Let's move on. ACC. ACC. Let's go. This, this one's pretty easy. Uh, it has to be Zion Williamson. He's my national player of the year right now. Uh, just the way I think we're seeing before our eyes, the way he impacts the game for Duke. Um, the freakish athletic ability the feel uh, the passing the rebounding the motor the defense uh, he brings so much to the table at duke so zion williamson will be my current acc player of the year uh, and my current national player of the year if i was going to go a second guy it would be somebody on his team <laughs> rj barrett uh, i mentioned one of the best scorers in the country i think he's going to be a top three pick in the nba draft um, just the, the the versatile scoring package that he's been able to put together uh he's he's tremendous um so yeah i would go zion williamson rj barrett if i had to pick a third number three slot it would be deandre hunter Uh, at Virginia, but I I would go Zion Williamson as my uh, top guy and R.J. Barrett as the runner-up. All right, now let's move on. SEC. I think in the SEC, and and this may be uh, a controversial pick, but with the way he's playing uh, over the last 10 to 12 games, uh, I'm going to go with P.J. Washington. Uh, He has absolutely changed the game for Kentucky, and uh, he's he's improving, it seems, by the game. 
He's impacted the game with his versatility as an offensive weapon. He's impacted the game with his length. Uh, he can step out and make jump shots. He's rebounding the basketball at a, at a high rate. So I'm going to go P.J. Washington in the, the number one slot. Uh, I think he has Kentucky trending in a tremendous direction. Uh, I think that they're a Final Four team, potential national championship team. And I think P.J. Washington, while I don't think he's their most important player, I think he's their best player. And the way he's playing uh, has been tremendous, and he's a big part of, of the reason that team has really come together. So I'll I'll go with P.J. Washington as SEC Player of the Year. And uh, number two slot, I'll go with Grant Williams. Uh, his numbers statistically, um, at least from a point standpoint, are, are slightly better uh, than P.J.'s. He's averaging 19 points a game. Uh, he's obviously had a huge impact for Tennessee. But uh, I'm going to go P.J. Washington and Grant Williams. Yeah, Grant Williams, last year SEC Player of the Year. And that's another kid, if you haven't watched played basketball, man, is he a bully in the post or what? Yeah, and I haven't I haven't seen a guy like Grant Williams score the way he can at his size. He's not more than six five and a half, dude. Like if you go to a, a game, he is he is not that tall, but that dude can score through contact. Yeah, yeah, I know. He's he's surely impressive. I know he put on a little bit of a show at LSU and that was they lost in heartbreaking fashion. Never foul 80 feet from the basket, people. Never, never foul 80 feet from the basket. Moving on to the Big East. <laughs> what are you thinking there? The Big East, I think, is the easiest one for me right now. Well, outside of the ACC, Zion was pretty easy. But uh, Marcus Howard would be uh, my clear-cut player of the year in the conference. Uh, I said it earlier, you know, 25 points a game. The, the He's just so important to that basketball team. Uh, he plays – the ball is in his hands so much. Uh, he's shooting at an a extremely efficient percentage, especially considering his usage rate. Uh, so Marcus Howard would be my one. Uh, Phil Booth. Uh, would be my two. Uh, I mentioned it earlier in the podcast as well. Statistically, he's up in nearly every category. Um, he's, I mean, without without Phil Booth, Villanova, I think, would be lost. Uh, so I'll go Marcus Howard one, uh, Phil Booth two. All right, now moving on to a conference that I think a lot of people have forgot about this year, the Pac-12. <laughs> I actually think this is the hardest one. Uh, statistically, you know, Trace... Trace Tinkle would probably be the guy, but Washington is going to win this league, yeah. uh, and I think it needs to be somebody from Washington. And they have two very quality options, one being Jalen Noel, uh, 16 points, five rebounds, three assists a game. Uh, he's having a, a really good season for them. He's shooting it as well as he ever has, and that includes back in high school. He's shooting it 42% from three. Uh, so it's either him or Matisse Thibel, who I think is, uh, and I wrote this earlier in the week, um, the defensive player of the year he's averaging three and a half steals a game dude uh, he is a lockdown defender the size the length the athleticism the lateral quickness uh, i'll go with um it's got to be one of those two and then trace tinkle would be uh in next in line well there you go and then obviously you said zion is your national player of the year too correct Zion is my national player of the year, and, and that only leaves one conference left. That's the Big 12. Yep. And uh, I, would, uh, I would lean towards Diedrich Lawson, 19 points, 10 rebounds a game, uh, tremendous rebounder, scores it really well around the basket, has been pretty efficient, nearly 50% from, from the field. And then I will go with uh, Jarrett Culver over at Texas Tech. I think he's trending up on the draft boards. He's going to be a top 10 uh, NBA draft pick. He consistently has gotten better and better and better over the last couple of years. Uh, 18 points, six rebounds a game. Uh, those would be my two in the Big 12. 
All right, well, let's finish up this pod on a high note here, all right? With the one-and-done rule essentially being done here in the next couple years, let's take a look at possibly one of the last classes where we're going to be able to see the top kids go to college. Talking about the class of 2020, I know you just came out with some new stuff on it. Who are the top kids in this class? Well, I think this is, one, going to be a pretty solid class, Conrad, and I think at the top it's very good. Uh, I actually think that you can make a very good case, and uh, it's probably my belief that Evan Mobley is the best prospect in all of high school basketball. Uh, he's six foot 11, you know, 210-ish pounds, goes to Rancho Christian. Uh, you, you may be familiar with his name. His brother, Isaiah Mobley, is a top 25 player in the senior class. He's going to USC. Their father is an assistant coach at USC. Now, Evan hasn't committed to USC yet, but that's the uh, assumption of where he's going to go. But at that size, Conrad, he is mobile. He's got good length. Uh, he's athletic, and he impacts the game on both sides of the ball. His offense is extremely impressive. Great hands, really nice touch, can make mid-range jump shots, can make three-point jump shots, and he protects the rim. And uh, he runs rim to rim. He brings energy. He's just a, he's a silent killer too, man. I, I love that kid. I like him as a prospect. Uh, so Evan Mobley would be my one. The number two guy is tremendous, too, and that's Jalen Green, a kid out of Fresno, uh, 6'5", extremely impressive athlete, uh, long arms, uh, likes to play with the ball in his hands, actually a tremendous passer. I don't necessarily think he's a point guard, uh, but you can put the ball in his hands and he can operate out of a pick and roll. He's got tremendous vision. The next step in his game is developing a jump shot uh, or more consistency in his jump shot, but we've already seen a little improvement in that area. So those would be my top tier of Evan Mobley 1, Jalen Green 2, and then three to five, I'd go Jalen Johnson, Scotty Barnes, and Greg Brown. Uh, Jalen Johnson is a, a versatile six foot eight kind of That's a combo Wisconsin forward, kid. but he's a, he is a Wisconsin kid. I know that. Shout out to Nicolette High School in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. I know you're a, <laughs> a Wisconsin guy, but uh, I, I think he's uh, he's extremely versatile. You can put the ball in his hand some. He's a good passer, a good facilitator, uh, and versatile. You can play him on the wing. He can guard fours. Um, there's a lot to like about him and his versatility. At four, I mentioned Scotty Barnes. This is, this is a, maybe the most versatile guy in the class. Tremendous defender. Uh, he can guard at least four spots, two to five. Uh, competes. Ooh, very like, good athlete. I like hearing that. Yeah, the he's, first thing I you mentioned about someone is that how great yeah, of a defender they are. Yeah, yeah. And I, I always, I'm hesitant to ever say that anybody can guard all five spots um, at the NBA level. I don't know that anybody, I there's very few that can. <laughs> Yeah, uh, but it said a lot, so that's why I said two to five because the one to five to me is is extreme. But um, defensively, he's tremendous, Um, very good athlete, good vision passer, competes, high, high high-level competitor, rebounds. Uh, The next step in his game is developing a jump shot. If he gets that, he could end up being one in this class. If he ever gets that jump shot going because he's got everything else. And then five would be Greg Greg Brown, a kid out of Austin, Texas, six eight, six nine, really gifted athlete, long arms, mobile, fluid, very good rebounder, skill set still developing, but uh, tremendous upside. So those would be uh, my top five in the 2020 class, and I think it's a much better class than the the 2018 class that's in college right now, and a much better class than the 2019 group that's headed to college next season.
Well, I'm certainly looking forward to seeing all those kids. You know how much I love college basketball, and the one-and-done rule actually has been kind of nice over the past 10 years, getting to see the top-tier prospects in it, especially Jalen Johnson, what I would do for Jalen Johnson to stay in the state of Wisconsin. <laughs> but yeah, man, thanks for having me on, eh? Yeah, of course, comrade. Thanks for jumping on the podcast. Always fun. And thank you guys for listening. Before I let you all go, I want to make sure that you are subscribed and supporting the Sidelines podcast. Best way to do that is to go over to Apple Podcasts and or your favorite podcast app hit the subscribe button for me leave a rating leave a review you can also shoot me a note over on twitter or instagram the handle is at evan daniels would love to know what you think about the podcast and how we can make it better as always thanks for listening and have a great week